Points to Ponder, Introduction to the Series The word Torah stems from the word Hora'a, which means instruction. The Torah is an instruction manual for life, which gives us commandments and laws to live by. In addition, the Torah contains many stories. In this context, the word Torah can be seen as alluding to Latur, which means touring. The Torah, so to speak, invites us to tour its landscape of stories, without any specific practical goal in mind. But the Torah also has a third dimension, the deepest and most hidden of them all, a thought dimension. The Torah encapsulates deep concepts and ideas that can help us better understand the world, its creator, and ourselves. Regarding this third aspect, the word Torah can best be seen as a permutation of the word vatahar, which means to become pregnant. Every Torah idea is like a seed that impregnates us, allowing us to birth new insights. In the series Points to Ponder, we shall mine each week's Torah portion for a single kernel idea and unpack it, so that we may further develop and enrich ourselves from it. Among other things, we shall be using concepts from the Torah's inner dimension, Kabbalah and Chassidut. Bereshit, the wheel and the arrow. The opening verse of the Torah is so well known, so much a part of our culture, that we often fail to notice just how revolutionary the idea embedded in it is. The concept of creation ex nihilo, the claim that the universe came into being from nothing due to an external act of creation, is by no means self-evident. According to all ancient cultures, as well as modern science prior to the discovery of evidence for the Big Bang, the universe has always existed. Even the so-called creation myths of ancient religions didn't really describe the world as created from nothing so much as formed from existing processes within reality, say, from the union of a primal god and goddess. The question whether the world always existed or was created at a certain moment is more loaded than it may first seem. Each answer to this question gives rise to a radically different picture and experience of the world. For example, it raises the question if there is something outside the world. If the world has always existed, that means it's the most primordial thing in existence. What we can perceive and experience, be it with our senses or with our imagination, is all there is. If, however, the world was created at some point, that means that something transcendent lies beyond it, an even more primordial divine being. Another question stemming from the concept of creation is whether or not the world has a direction. One of the most prevalent concepts in ancient religion was the myth of eternal return. Since the world was believed to have always existed, it was seen as governed by a circular law, it emerged from the void and was destined to be swallowed up by it again. The events taking place in it were destined to repeat themselves forever, and the cycles of nature were perceived as absolute and unbreakable. According to the Torah, on the other hand, which describes the world as having been created ex nihilo, creation has a direction and a purpose towards which it advances like an arrow shot from a bow, it begins from a state of chaos, void, and darkness, in which humans quickly sin and damage the world, and ends with the world's redemption, universal peace, 
and all-embracing divine revelation, for the world shall be filled with the knowledge of God as water covers the sea. Nature has cycles, but the arrow of time flies through them, pulling them with it, so to speak, turning them into a spiraling ribbon like a kite's swirling tail. Lastly, these two worldviews generate different emotional and spiritual experiences for those who espouse them. While belief in nature alone imparts a sense of stability and security, it also limits us to a closed world with no hope for redemption. If nature, teva in Hebrew, is a closed system, then in a sense we're all destined to drown in it. Litboa comes from the same root in Hebrew. On the other hand, the error of time draws a line, kav in Hebrew, of hope, which is tikva, comes from the same root. It elevates us above nature. It throws us a lifeline, a kind of long tube like those used by old-time divers, letting us breathe the oxygen of faith and trust in our Creator and cleave to Him. From the beginning or from the middle? In literature, a distinction is made between two ways to open a story. Ab ovo, which means from the egg, that is, from the beginning of the story, and in medias res, from the middle of things, that is, from the middle of the story. Because of their circular nature, many ancient myths began from the middle of things. Because a circle has neither a beginning nor an end, we necessarily enter it from the middle. The Torah, on the other hand, which opens with the creation of the world, is considered the prime example of a literary narrative starting from the beginning. But is this really so simple? A number of hints suggest that while, on the surface, the Torah indeed describes the beginning of reality, on a deeper level it begins, not unlike those ancient myths, in the middle of things. The first hint is this. Out of all the letters in the Hebrew alphabet, the Torah begins with Beit, the second letter. It could easily have begun with the first letter, Aleph, for example, by writing not Bereshit bara Elokim, in the beginning God created, but Elokim bara Bereshit, God created in the beginning. But nevertheless, it begins with a Bet. This alludes to the idea that Bereshit isn't really the beginning but that something even more primordial pre-existed the world, the divine being who created it. The second hint is that we read the Torah in a cyclical manner, starting anew each year. On Simchat Torah, we read the last words of the Torah, Le'einei kol Israel, in the eyes of all Israel, and then immediately roll the scroll back to Bereshit, thereby coming full circle with its beginning, we do all this after dancing in a circle with the Torah scroll. What does the fact that the Torah doesn't really begin at the beginning, but in the middle, tell us? It tells us that despite the importance of linearity, which breaks free from the wheel of nature, the circle too has an important purpose and is rooted in something even higher. Two holy circles. The circular dimension of the Torah gives us two messages. The first is that the era of time, symbolizing all our worldly ambitions and labor, is anchored within an eternal divine circle of light lying entirely above time. This lesson injects a more balanced perspective to our lives and reminds us 
of this timeless eternity. The second message is that linear movement over time must be integrated within the cycles of nature, the weeks, months, years, and larger cycles like Shemitah and Yovel. A harsh, linear approach that ignores nature's cycles will end up trampling nature and is destined to collapse like a tower without foundations. These two circles, that of nature and that of the divine light surrounding it, are the spark of the myth of eternal return that the Torah redeems and elevates in its opening story. A point to ponder. Notice that the last letter of the concluding word of the Torah, Israel, the letter Lamed, together with the first letter of the opening word, Bereshit, the letter Bet, form the word Lev, which means heart. This is especially interesting in light of the fact that the three letters preceding the Lamed of Israel, Shin, Reish, and Aleph, and the three letters that follow the Beit of Bereshit, Reish, Aleph, Shin, each form the word Rosh, which means head. The linear Torah begins with one head or mentality and ends with another, different one. What connects these two heads into one reality is a heart, the heart that feels the cycles of nature and divinity.